I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's up, guys? Happy Friday. We're getting really close to the draft at this point. No Brendan. Brendan's somewhere doing something. He, I don't even know where he is today. I'm joined today by somebody that you may not know, and it's going to be one of those, if you're not familiar, get familiar type of scenarios with Mr. Spencer Perlman. Spencer's a former draft analyst for the Phoenix Suns, knows his ball inside out, and he's decided to jump on, been very gracious. He's going to walk us through the best prospects for the Celtics coming in a week spencer thank you for jumping on buddy thank you for having me i'm honored that, that was a great intro <laughs> uh, macro's been helping me with these here he does some awesome intros so i'm trying to learn as i go along yeah he's great yeah <laughs> let's just jump straight in because there's a lot of people to cover and not enough time in the world to get everything we need under under the hood Celtics have three picks if we operate under the assumption to begin with that they're going to use all three picks, which is looking more and more unlikely at this point, they're going to pick up 14, 26, and 30. Yeah. At 14, who do you feel is going to be the best value? For me, I'm absolutely sold on Kira Lewis Jr. and I'm not willing to debate, but I'm sure you're going to have some better options. Now, if, if Kyra's there, um, I think he would be fantastic. Like, there's obviously some speed similarities between him and Kemba. Um, you know, they're, they, they both have the ability to pop off the bounce. Um, I think Kyra's actually a little bit better defender at the same stage. Like, he's, they're both small, but Kyra's ability to just kind of get back in the play even after he screened off, like his motor, his energy, his effort level is high. Um, so I love that. I, I actually don't think he's going to be there at 14. Um, I'm sorry to burst Breaking my heart, man. Breaking my heart. Yeah. Um, I think he, I think he goes top 10, uh, when it's all said and done. I, if Phoenix keeps their pick and if they don't trade for Paul, or even if they do trade for Paul, I, I think he'd fit in there perfectly. And if not, like if he does fall out of the top 10, the Pelicans, I think is probably his floor. Um, but I mean, with all the draft capital that the Celtics have, the one player that I really want to see them find a way to get, whether it's putting all three of them together or, you know, putting two of them, maybe a future first is um, Onyeka Okongwu. He's just like, he's my dream fit for the Celtics. And I say this as a Nick fan, not because I want him to trade all their assets for somebody bad, but because it's like, it'd be such a good fit. Just the defense, the ability to really finish, not have to play Ennis Cantor any minutes. Um, it, it's, it'd be nice. The one thing that kind of got brought up in the last podcast we did, uh, it's been a few days, was if you trade up to get Anyeka Okongwu, you're, you're instantly making him the highest paid big man on the Celtics roster, partly because they don't pay their bigs too much cash. And obviously, the higher up you draft him, the more money he's guaranteed over the initial contract. Is he good enough to live up to be, being the instant highest paid big on that roster? Is he good enough to oust... Robert Williams and Daniel Tice in his rookie year and actually earned that money. I think he'd be the day one starter. Um, yeah, I, like he's, he's much smarter than Robert Williams. I think on both sides of the ball, he's, he's a better passer. Um, I think at the same stage, although I think Williams, didn't he show some flashes of passing actually in the bubble? Uh, yeah, it, he showed it mainly before he got his hip edema, especially from the short role. He was, 
showing yeah. some good um, weak side flashes off the short roll before he got his hip edema. Um, yes, I mean, Williams probably, I guess, has the edge of him passing now, but the same stage, like, Okongwu has done nothing consistent, but the flashes just straight, like, out of the post. You know, it's much easier to pass out of the post than it is on the move because stationary, you're not really worried about moving deep and stuff like that. But his ability to pass out the post combined with the flash that he showed facing up. Um, I think there was a game versus Utah that he actually had two or three face-up kickoffs or drop-offs. Um, looked good there. And then defensively, like he will he'll battle in the post. He's very smart. Like He will not miss rotations um, just kind of all around. And, you know, he can switch. So given Boston's flexibility and, you know, when you have someone like Marcus Smart, you can switch on anybody because he's Marcus Smart. Having a big, you can do the same from the opposite end and switch on to smalls. It's it's a perfect, it's a perfect fit. What's the scalability like in his shooting range? I know he had, he didn't really he only took 0.1 attempts per game in college. Is that scalable? Yeah. Does he have because he has nice nice mechanics? It just doesn't seem to be transferred over to his actual shooting percentages. Yeah, I think it's probably going to take him a little while. Um, it's definitely not broken. I think maybe the form needs a little bit of tweaking. He has to speed it up a little bit, but it's not like he is no Michael Kid Gilchrist where his elbow's going like, you know, that way or something. And he's got a soft touch w- with both hands. And like, I think he shot well from the free throw line this year for big also off the top of my head. So just kind of like coupling all that together, maybe not this year, but in two years from now, I'd be pretty shocked if he's not at least taking and making some mid-range jump shots. That's what you want to begin with is let him start working at the mid range and then slowly yeah. ask him to just take that extra step back each season. And look, if, if Brooke Lopez can go from a back to the basket guy to one of the best three point shooting bigs in, in the league, then I'm pretty sure a rookie coming in is going to be able to figure that out sooner or later. The only, I mean, I've got my notes here on the bigs and obviously they're not going to be nowhere near as uh, in depth as yours. The only other note I've actually got is. He felt he, he really struggles when people pressure him. If he finds himself, um, being trapped, which he won't find as much in the NBA, I understand that. But, uh, if he's, say he's coming off a pick and roll and he kind of runs himself into like a double team or someone starts to hedge on him, he seems to lose focus and panic a little bit. Do you think that's going to be an issue that's going to hold him back to begin the NBA career? No, I think the spacing is going to help him. Um, you know, he's not going to be playing with another five who's, who's going to live in the paint, you know, playing next to Rakosevic. Um, right? I think that's who it was this year. Um, there was less spacing because he was playing with, you know, either two two traditional bigs or two bigs who aren't, you know, a spacing big and then a true spacing big and then, you know, a paint guy. Um, so specifically in Boston where you can just throw out, like, you know, a whole bunch of lineups where it's Jason Tatum at the four, Brown at the four. Um, you know, Grant Williams, I love. I think he will shoot. And he shot well after the weird 0 for, like, 23 start. So, like, you know, there's that going for him. But I really just think when he's not immediately hit with, like, you know, that help right on the catch, I think he'll be fine. And what about in terms of, okay, we're talking about Okongwu being a dream fit, the perfect guy to to go onto the roster. It's very unlikely he's going to be available at 14. Mm-hmm. The Celtics would need to package to move up to get him. 
if they decided that they didn't want to make that trade or there was nobody that was biting on it in the range where Akanga was still available, who else would you like at 14? Um, I think Alexei Pokashevsky would be interesting because, like, I, he frankly, I think he's just, you know, one of the two or three most skilled players in the draft. And given Boston's recent ability to just develop players, you know, Jalen Brown was not Jalen Brown when he came in. He was a very raw athlete. And now he's, you know, he, he's still has issues maybe sometimes processing um, things pretty quickly, but he's so much better than he was. And like Tatum, you know, last year made a huge jump. And then just like trusting Brad Stevens, just like the entire organization top to bottom. If, if there's someone who is just supremely skilled, who has to, further refine them a little bit more um, and get stronger, I'd roll the dice on them. Um, it just kind of depends how you know risk-averse you are. I mean, are you trying to stash him for a year or two, or would you be opting to bring him straight over? I think he wants to come over right now. I think there was that report a couple of weeks ago saying that like, he and his agents both really want him in the U.S. this year. Um, but, you know, if he does want to come over, you could obviously put him in the G League for a little bit, but if he doesn't want to play in the G League, um, or if he kind of like forces his hands, or if the Celtics think that he should be playing in the NBA right now, I think his shooting ability, his ability to just drive and kick off closeouts, um, and you know his passing ability, just like everywhere, just short roll. He like you can run some weird five three pick and rolls or four three pick and rolls as him as the actual initiator. I think he could play you know ten fifteen minutes a game this year and actually have a pretty Maybe not huge impact on the uh, on the game, but I think you could have like a non-negative impact, and you know, then going from there, like year two, just takes another step. Year three, so I'm thinking like like the Celtics, they're going to be an Eastern Conference, you know, finals contending team. I think pretty much regardless of who they pick this year. So if you can get somebody who in two or three years that you can say he's one of the, I mean, he could be one of the five best players in the draft, three best players in the draft, and that could take you from finals contending team to like potentially looking at back-to-backs or um you know a championship period i would i would 100 percent do it concern and as a knicks fan i'm hoping you can answer this with um a little bit of uh, i want some hostility on this answer he reminds a lot of people of a young Porzingis in terms of his lankiness his gangliness his his slim frame one one thing that everybody worried about when Paul Zingas came into the league was durability. And those worries have been kind of proven correct as Paul Zingas isn't durable at all. When he's not getting hurt on the floor, he's getting beat up in Lithuania. Um, <laughs> do you have them same worries about Poku? I mean, the guy's slender. I feel like he could really get bodied quite easily down on the block. Yeah. Um I mean, I think there are definitely some concerns there just because he is very tall and he is very thin. But when you look at his body a little bit, like when I look at bigs, I think the most important area to have strength is your lower body. So you need to be able to really hold your ground in the post. And something I look for is like, do they have pretty like big legs? Like, you no, know, are they strong in their calves or quads? And though he, he's like a stick pretty much like, you know, from his knees up. Um, his quads relative to his weight, I think they're actually pretty big. So, you know, he's 210, I think, pounds right now. If he gets up to 230, that's like, that's perfect. You no, know, he'll obviously still have his issues with Jokic and Embiid and stuff like that. But I think 
think he'll be able to battle. And then just, you know, again, Boston's ability to just really be on point with rotations. You can really get away with it. Um, I mean, whether or not he's going to get hurt, who knows? I think, I think he is coming in skill wise at a much higher level than, uh, KP was. Like KP was not the short roll passer. I mean, he wasn't a passer period. He wasn't as skilled a shooter. Like he was a good stationary shooter. He was a good relocation esque shooter. He had mid range, but what Pokashevsky is doing is like he, like they literally ran him off like double floppy action on the baseline and they used him as a wing. And KP couldn't do that then. He can't do that now. Like there definitely are some similarities with the frame, um, but skill wise, I think, I think Poku's got him. And again, like the frame, I, I still think the lower body Poku has him a little bit stronger. Um, he's a little bit stronger than KP was at the same stage. Now I want to change subject to just for a very short moment in time because we started talking about people's leg muscles, and whenever I hear <laughs> leg muscles, I need to know now. Are you shocked by Carson Edwards' struggles this year? Did you have him? coming into the league and lighting it up? Or do you think that he's a product of that March Madness run and he now will see actually what he's going to be in the league? I mean, I guess I really wasn't that surprised. Also, that was a fantastic segue because he's jacked out of his mind. With him, like, you know, he's not a point guard. Um, he's a just a volume score. He's like a volume shooter, a bench. Just somebody's going to come in, get up 12 shots, and he can put up, you know, 18 points a game. Or he could also put up six. It just kind of depends on the night. Um, So, I mean, I guess I was a little bit surprised that the shot didn't really translate as quickly as I thought it was going to. But I I I didn't expect him to come in day one and just boom, like rotation. I just had to ask the question when he was talking about Jack's legs. It just made sense at the time. One thing, I put a tweet out about this as well. And you you may understand this more than I do. Um, I watched every jump shot he took throughout the season, both G League and NBA, and about 70% of them front rimmed before missing. So they'd either front rim and just completely miss or front rimming in an unfriendly bounce. Generally, whenever I've seen that, it's due to lack of power on the shot or lack of um, arc on the shot. Am I, right in, am I right in saying that? Because I've been tweeting about this quite heavily the last few days, so it's time for me to learn my lesson. I think it could also be just like... Um... Like, I mean, not leg strength, but like fatigue because Carson, correct me if I'm wrong, he jumps high when he shoots. Like yeah, he, he actually um, really he soars, dude. He's like six foot yeah. 11 when he jumps. Yeah. Um, it's so like Iman Shumpert had the same issue where his shot was super inconsistent his first two years until he just stopped jumping as high and then the shot looked a little bit better. Um, like you're, you're not wrong. And that, you know, the, the arc's not that great. Um, I think it might be a little bit more fatigued than anything else because, you know, running up and down the court, you know, five times, three times, whatever, and then trying to shoot yourself, shoot the ball. <laughs> um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be difficult. I'm happy we segued. I'm happy we covered Carson, but now people are going to be saying, well, this Carson's not getting drafted this season. So why are we talking about him? A lot of people have already wrote him off. Looking a bit further down the, the draft, looking at 26, and we'll cover what happens if they trade up towards the end of the podcast because that's looking the most likely. It's also making me the most sad because whenever people trade up, they usually get ripped off. Who would you be happy with at 26? One of my um, hopes, I mean, I've made the case that I'd be really happy if they package 26 and 30 
to move up into that 19 to 21 range and take a run at Jalen Smith. But I don't know how you'd feel about Jalen Smith at 19, 20, 26. Have you got anybody that's better? Yeah. Um, Jalen Smith, I think, would actually be really good. Um, he'd, he'd completely space the court. He's not a passer. So, you know, you'd have, I guess, a similar issue in some ways that you had with Ennis, just like, you know, he's a play finisher. Um, but the shooting is real. And he's another guy who's just not a straight up cash and shoot guy. He's a movement shooter. Like they had, it's like a pin down circle type play that they ran him off the elbow. He caught the ball above the break and he just pulled immediately from three. Um, so that would, that would add a, definitely another dimension. And defensively, um, he has to get stronger. He plays physically though. Um, he does a good job using his leverage in the post. You know, he knows how to, you know, where to put your arm and use that, um, the lodge and then. Um, you know, protecting the rim, he does a nice job rotating and using his length. Um, I, I, I think you probably have to trade up to get him. I think 19, 18, that's probably around, you know, where he could go maybe a little bit higher. Um, I don't think he'll get to 26, but if he is there or if he, if he is on the board when the Celtics pick, I think, I think that would be a great one. Um, someone else who, like, I love, I know a lot of draft Twitter loves him. Um, Max Carlin, he's one of his like biggest fans. Leandro Bomaro, um, he's not a big. He's he's a, I mean, he's a point guard, I guess, like a six six point guard. Um, he's not going to be over for another couple of years, but like he's he's another supremely talented guy, one of the best passers in the draft. Um, super quick on defense, like he really gets into at the point of attack. Uh, it's pretty smart off ball. He's not a shooter, so you're going to have to improve there. Um, but I think the 26th and 30th pick are kind of two, two prime locations considering Boston's, you know, roster construction, how they have what seems like 50 players under contract for next year. Um, so it feels I mean, like more than that, to be honest. I'm really shocked when you said all of draft Twitter loves him and Max Carlin's really high on him. I was just waiting for Grant Ryder. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, Grant's another one. Um, yeah, he'd come in and I guess he'd kind of give you what people might have thought that Carson could have done with that immediate scoring punch only. He's a much better finisher. Um, he's much stronger. He's, you know, he can score from all three levels. He's not as reliant on the three point shot. Um, he's not the movement shooter that Carson was. Carson is whatever. Um, but Grant is. Like if he's there at 26 and if you want somebody who can come in and provide pretty much immediate minutes as like a backup point guard or you you could put some weird lineups out with him at the one and or him at the two, Kemba at the one, like Marcus Smart at the three, depending if you want to go small, um, he could definitely do it. Talking to guards, one that I remember the beginning of the season, which feels like it was two, three, four years ago at this point. One of the guards I remember seeing quite high was Cole Anthony, and he seems to just be in free fall at the moment in these mock drafts. A lot of people have him going in the early 20s, mid-20s. I'm pretty sure that the beginning of the season, I saw him projected as like a high lottery pick. I may be wrong. but I'm... No, that's right. So, one, what's going wrong with the dude? And two, would he be worth taking a fly around for Boston? Um... I think with him, it's it was a few things. One, it was him quite possibly picking the worst school to play for for like his style, um, because aside from 
just like UNC having no shooters at all besides Cole. Like I think they shot 28% as a team outside of Cole's three point shots. Um, they played with two bigs, neither of whom could space. So every time he would attack the paint, like, you know, he was met by his own two teammates in addition to the guy who was guarding him and the two guys who were guarding the bigs. So like he had issues finishing, but there it's understandable. Um, but when, he, even when he was just going like one on one or if it was a two on two where maybe there was just one big in the paint and then his defender, he finished well. So I don't think the finishing is a major concern. I think the playmaking, you know, he's, he's not Cole. I'm sorry. He's not LaMelo. He's not Killian. He's none of those guys. Um, he's going to need, you know, a big wing initiator next to him. Um, but, you know, at a certain point, talent is talent. And I think his ability to score both on the ball and off the ball, I think, you know, you would just take that player, um, and, you know, run. And I think the, the conversation then between whether or not, you know, Boston would pick Cole or Grant becomes interesting because, you know, Grant was the guy on his team. Granted, it was a lesser conference, but he still finished at like an, an elite. Uh, rate in college. Um, the shot was real. Like he's, he's not a guy who's just not a real playmaker for others, not a great passer. Um, but like, you know, at the end of the first round, you're looking for guys who can, who can contribute. And I think Grant is a little bit closer there than Cole is. And actually one more name who I'll throw out. And I think I've mentioned him on like any podcast that I've been on that has like a team picking in the late first, Malachi Flynn. Um, San Diego State point guard. Um, he's, he's another guy who I think can come in day one and play. Like he's a really good shooter, uh, really deep range. He's really smart on defense. Um, really gets into you at the point of attack. He's really smart off ball. Um, two, two plays that he had this year that are just like ingrained in my head is he's playing weak side. They're strong action pick and roll. He rotates over to not like block or steal, but to box out the big guy because it was the smart thing to do. And that's something that, like, that's, like, Boston culture, right? Like, you know, it's like a Marcus Smart attitude. Um, I, I, Malachi's another guy who I'd love to see in Boston. And, you know, as a Nick fan, again, it would pain me, but it'd, it'd be really good. How about a guy that is coming straight out of community college that people seem to have completely different opinions on, whose name is very befitting for the level of player he's been facing up until this point? What about Jay Scrub? Yeah, I wouldn't take him in the first round. Um, would you take him at the end of the second? Yeah, at the end of the second, I would take him. Um, he wouldn't be at the top of my board, I don't think. Like, I'd probably still prefer a Sam Merrill, um, especially if I'm trying to win now. But Scrub is like insanely athletic. Um, very quick first step. He can shoot off the bounce. He can shoot on catch and shoot. He's not a movement shooter. Um, fantastic finisher with his left hand in the paint, but he doesn't like play defense. Um, he wasn't really asked to, for what I understand, like any level. Um, and then just like the shot selection, there, there are problems there to where like he'll take a pull up contested jump shot from like 18 feet, which, and it, it'll go in. Um, or it can go in, but if you look on the right side of the court, you'll see like three teammates wide open with nobody within like 10 feet of them. So, you know, he, he's a develop, developmental guy. Um, 
but the athleticism and the ability to shoot, you know, you, you can roll the dice on that and see what happens. I'm a little bit perplexed at how he's going from community college straight to the league. I heard rumors that, and I'm not sure how true these are, that he's got a Division One offer on the table and he chose to turn that down to declare for the draft, which I'm not sure. I feel like, personally, I feel like if he could have done another year in college and really dominated, he might have made fought his way into the low end of the first round. But Yeah, you know, Louisville, ahead. right? Louisville? Yeah, Louisville, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was, that's like, that happened. I think he actually signed his letter of intent and everything. Um, if he doesn't get drafted, if he goes undrafted, can he still declare for Louisville at that point? I don't think so. I think the date's already passed. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's a rule that should change. Like, you shouldn't penalize the player if they don't get drafted. Yeah, everyone's yeah. entitled to go back to school and get their education. I get that. Now, when we yep. were talking and when you were giving me your um, opinions on Scrub, which I just had to get, I, I popped onto Tankathon to see where Malachi Flynn is actually mocked to go. And um, he's 26th to Boston, yeah, which is uh, awesome. I'm going to have to do some diving into him because he's not somebody I'm too familiar with now somebody that i am familiar with that could go at 14 could be somebody that boston are looking to move up for i really 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 hope not is precious achua who in my opinion and i don't know how you feel about this is the biggest bust risk out of the big men early in the draft interesting um i don't i don't know if i'd call him like a bust risk Although I guess it'd also kind of depend on your expectations and even more than that, what his expectations are. Um, like he's, he's very athletic. He's very strong. He's very long. Like he, he has the measurements of pretty much a center, um, in terms of like length that he's six, nine and change, I think. Um, maybe with sneakers. But, you know, if he thinks that he's more of a wing and if he tries taking guys off the bounce the way he tried this past year, um, I can definitely see him just maybe not flaming out, but he goes from a potential starter if he were to buy into his role to a guy who's going to be maybe your second big off the bench. Um, like, you know, I hate comparisons, but if I had to give one for him, it would be like a Jeremy Grant type. Um where like you know Grant might not be a perfect fit in every offense but because Denver's offense allows for him to slash and because he has so many playmakers around him or you know play creators he's able to flourish um but yeah I mean I wouldn't trade up I wouldn't trade up at 14 to get him if he's on the board at 14 depending on who else is available you know I think about it um but if someone goes to, you know, Danny Ainge and say, Hey, you know, if you give me 14 and 26 for the rights to precious, I'd, I'd say no, because you can probably get somebody who's, who's in a similar, who's a similar level player without, without having to give up the extra bit. Yeah. My, my biggest knock on him is, is, is his lack of scoring ability. I feel mm-hmm. like, um, that's going to be a big issue for him at the NBA level. The reason I feel like he's going to be a bust is you'll earn minutes with defense, but, you will get slaughtered if you're shooting 20% 
on yeah. six or seven attempts. And when I say bust, I, I, I use that word quite liberally. So I still feel like he'll have an NBA career, but I do think that yeah. he's he's going to be the guy that gets the most media heat to start the season out of the rookies. I'm not very high on him. Somebody that, and I'm just throwing names at you at this point, it just feels like it's easier to do. Uh, Tyrese Maxey, people are talking, I've heard a lot of people tell me like, hey, Tyrese Maxey would be amazing next to Marcus Smart. Is this true? False? Um, yeah, I think, I think it could definitely work. Um, you need Marcus Smart's three point shot to just kind of stay as, you know, as, as good as it was this past year and, you know, go up a little bit. Um, you need Maxey's shooting to improve and I think, I think it will happen. Um, his form's good. The issue with him is that, you know, as he's bringing the ball up, he's shooting from here. He's blocking his eyes and then he's shooting out. Um, so obviously, you know, sure, like a lot of it's muscle memory, but at the same time, if you can't see the rim pretty much at all, and if you're shooting out, that's, you know, two negatives. Um, he's a really good defender, both on and off the ball, though. Um, he played defense sometimes, you know, like, cornerbacks doing football and like secondary is just pretty much taking guys out of the game and forcing it to be a four and four because the guy who he's guarding isn't touching it. Um, he's a really good finisher with both hands. Um, really takes contact. Well, he's strong. Um, I guess my one hiccup or my one concern would be just the playmaking ability. Um, I, I really just don't think he's a good playmaker at the moment. Um, he creates advantage as well using his strength and, you know, not really quickness as much as just that first step and then getting his body in front. Cause once he's in front, you're probably not going to be able to get around. Um, but he doesn't really see the court that well. So like you're going to be requiring the offense to kind of create some looks for him. Um, or just strictly playing him as an off ball, you know, shooter, cutter, um, whatever, just. What took me out of wanting Maxi was when you said Marcus Smart will need to shoot a few more threes because we do not want Marcus Smart shooting more threes. Uh, I don't mind him shooting a considerable amount of threes, but more than what he took during the playoffs is a big no-no for hopefully everybody. Um, <laughs> another name being thrown around that I'm hearing is Devin Vassell. Now, I think one of our guys on Celtics blog, I'm just double-checking this to fact-check myself, Adam Spinella, who really knows his ball, he coaches. I'm sure you know who Adam Spinella is. Um, I hope you do. Yep. 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 Devin Vassell. Yeah, I was just fact checking myself. Um, that's his draft crush for the Celtics. From what I read, he could be a really good pickup. I'm assuming, would they need to trade up or do you think he'll be there at 14? I think they probably have to trade up a little bit. Um, the Knicks have been tied to him, I know. Um, I can see the Wizards taking him also. Um, Cleveland could take him, although given who they picked the last two years, they could also pick a point guard because that's just what they do. Um, yeah, I mean, if he falls to 10, yeah, I mean, also if he falls to 12, Sacramento would be just kind of like stupid to not take him because they would need him and he would slide in there perfectly. But, you know, on the off chance he is there at 14, um, he's, Easily the best team defender in the draft. Um, like I know Adam says he's the best uh, team defender. He's a better team defender than Mikhail was at the same stage. Um, I don't think he's that good. I think Mikhail is just his length and 
just pure playmaking ability off the ball, off the ball might have been a little bit better in terms of deflections and just straight up taking taking passes away. And also, the stats might have been slightly inflated in Florida State's defense, where like they allowed you to gamble. Um, on the flip side, he played in a defense that was just constantly scrambling. So his rotations will come in day one. He will be like 100% on point there. And you could plug him in like right in between Jalen at the two. Um, uh, he could play the three or like, you know, whoever, like, you know, the two and the three are so interchangeable. And he could play Tatum at the four and you could have a really cool two through four. Um, the offense is pretty strict in that it's just like, He's a catch and shoot guy. Um, he attacks closeouts a little bit for one to two dribble jump shots, uh, pull ups. He's not a very good finisher. Um, I think he was like high forties or something like that on non like post ups, non offensive rebounds in the half court. Um, which is like, I, I just remember there being a stark contract with contrast between him and Isaac Coro. Um, but. I think he's also a slightly better playmaker than he's given credit for. Um, his thing was just he wasn't asked to really playmake that much. But from a strict viewpoint of like who can come in day one and help Boston win, he's like either at the top of the list or near the very top. I want to believe you and Adam and say outside of Kyrie Lewis, who's always going to be number one on my list. Um, and then when he doesn't go to Boston, he'll be my number one draft target for the next five to six seasons. I'll take Devin Vassell as my second option at this point. I feel like too many people in the know are telling me that I need to know. So I will start to know. Now, when we look at, um, I know I like to repeat words in different ways. So, um, (laughs) let's kind of, let's, let's mix this up a little bit. Celtics can trade up. They can trade out. They can draft and stash. If you're Danny Ainge or if you're, if Danny Ainge gives you a call tomorrow, like, Hey, Spence. We loved what you did with the, with the Suns. We want you to come and advise us on draft night, which hopefully when he hears this, he will give you that call. What would be your advice to them and how would you want them to attack this draft? So the first thing I would say is I would, I would try to trade up for a Kongwu. Um, like he'd be my number one target if it took 14, if it took 26, 30, and then 45 or, you know, 48, whatever the second round pick is. Um, I think, I think he's worth it. I think just having that guy you can put in at the five and know that you're going to be set for the next 10 years, I think that's huge. Um, so he'd be my number one guy in terms of trading up. Um, I mean, if Killian Hayes, if he's there towards like the back end of the lotto, although I think you might need to jump New York in order to get him, um, I would try to trade up to get him too. But like honestly... I'd probably just stay where I am. Um, you know, at 14, I would, again, as I said before, I love Poku. I would roll the dice on Poku. Um, if you wanted a big who could come in a little bit sooner, maybe you could trade back from 14, pick up 17 from Minnesota, um, and 33. And then with 17, you could take Jalen Smith. Um, I don't know if you could get 33, but you know, with 33, you could get like a wing because Boston's going to take a wing because it's what they do. And you could get Robert Woodard. Um, uh, I'm, I'm a big Is he undersized? Man. Can he not shoot? Are we talking shooting difficulties? Come on, he needs to fit the Celtics profile if we're taking a wing. He's jacked like semi-Ogilet. Not, not like that jacked, but he's like, he's like six, 
I think it was six, seven in sneakers, seven, two wingspan, 230 pounds. Um, he's really strong. He's like, he's like a Mo Harkless, but more athletic and stronger. So he doesn't have like a super high ceiling, but plug and play. Um, I think that's just kind of, I think that's going to be what he is. Um, I think 26, if they stay there, you know, Malachi, Grant Riller, um, Desmond Bain, if he's there, I, I don't think he will be. Um, and selfishly, I hope he's not because I'm also advising his agent right now. And like, I want to see Des go lotto. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's going to happen, but that'd be cool. Um, like, you know, those guys, I definitely look at them 30. If they don't pick a big with either of their first two picks, uh, and if he's still there, Xavier Tillman, um, out of Michigan State, he's like, you know, Des is my favorite guard wing in the draft. Um, or he's my favorite guard in the draft. Isaac Accord is my favorite wing in the draft. Xavier Tillman is my favorite big in the draft. Um, Poku is his own thing. I don't consider him anything. Uh, he's like a unicorn. Very high on Poku. Is this because of... Yes. Now, here's a question that I kind of raised with somebody somewhere in the last 48 hours. I don't remember where it was. Do you feel like some of these Euro guys are being overhyped because of the European influx at the moment? So, you know, like guys like Poku, guys like Hayes, people are expecting them to be maybe a little bit better than what they actually are because of guys like Dancic coming in and, and Giannis and kind of changing the narrative. That's an interesting question. Um, I don't know if they're being overrated as much as maybe they were underrated before. So, I mean, you know, if you were saying they're un- if, they, if they were underrated before, then if they're overrated now, you know, maybe it's just kind of a balancing of the scales. Um, I don't really think anyone thinks any of these guys are going to come in and be Jokic or Doncic or, you know, Tony Parker or whoever it is coming from overseas. Um, so like, you know, the number one thing I look for is skill and IQ. And if you have those two things, we're pretty much, I mean, not regardless of league. Um, but if you have those two things, I'm willing to bet on you. And, if there's one thing that I think the Europeans do very, very, very well, it's develop that on both ends of the court, especially on offense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe there's like a slight overrating in that they're just kind of readjusting for the times and not just completely ignoring European players. Um, but I don't think it's like being overblown, I guess. That's fair. I mean, I'm happy. The more the European guys do well, maybe people will start being like, hey, these European NBA journalists, uh, we need to give them a shot too. And so, um, you know, we, I'm riding coattails too. I'm riding coattails too. The last guy I want to ask you about before I let you get up out of here is somebody that a lot of people are holding him in really high regard. There's rumors that Boston really are enamored with this guy. And then other people I speak to are like, this is the worst possible pickup for the Celtics. And that's Patrick Williams. What's there's a really big divide between the amount of people people that think he's good think he's going to be the the Donovan Mitchell of this draft the guy that goes under the radar and blows like blows up and other people are just like this dude needs to keep falling. Why is it so divided? Um, honestly, I don't know. I think I think people who are low on him. I mean. At the risk of sounding arrogant, I think they're just kind of wrong. Um, like, you know, you look at the modern NBA and 
what you look for in, in a modern four. Um, I mean, like, he can probably play three in a pinch. I don't really think he moves well enough to do it full time. Um, but someone who you, you want to just put at the four, you want him to be able to hit jump shots, and catch and shoot, space the floor a bit from three. Can Pat Will do that? Yes. You want him to be able to, when closed out on, to either pass on the closeout or to take a one to two dribble pull. Can he do that? Yes. Can he create a little bit out of the pick and roll? Yes. And like, I think maybe that's the most under, not under, undervalued, overlooked aspect of his game because he wasn't asked to play that major playmaking role in Florida State's offense. But he had like, like perfect. And I mean like perfect, perfect, like whip passes going downhill. It's like either corner that you don't see very often. And when you're doing that at 6'8", 240, that's something that's going to pop. And then on top of that, like on defense, you know, he's, he can maybe switch just a little bit. Um, like I don't really want him switching every possession because then you're just going to ask your help defense to be pretty much perfect. Um, because he's, he's very, he's not like slow footed. He's not light in his feet either. He's just kind of like, a little bit heavier, I guess, than you would imagine. Um, not, not like he's fat, but like, you know, he's, he's a little heavier put here on, on the lower end. On yeah, it sounds like my assassin's creed when I'm trying to creep around and I'm getting caught out. I know what you mean. I know. Um, yeah, but like, he's, he's a really, really good rim protector. Um, so like, I, I think there's a very small chance he fails. Um, I don't know if he'll ever be an all-star. Um, I, I'm willing to bet that he'll end up being a positive rotation player on both ends of the court though for the next 10 years. And he's 19 years old, I think. He's, he's still one of the youngest players in the class. So it's possible it's still growing into his body a little bit more. Um, which is kind of like crazy to think about, but like he's a, he's, he's a skilled two-way guy. And yeah. If you want to talk about Jax, his, um, Jeff Goodman described it as he's got a fully grown man's body and he's still got yes. a lot of growing to do. He's yep. jacked. Now the hot take time, uh, one hot take and then we'll let you tell everybody where they can find you and we'll get you up out of here. Who is the best talent across all of the draft this year? I must assume, I'm hoping you're not going to go with one of the top three, but if they are, then uh, obviously you go with one of the top three. Yeah. Um, best talent in like both sides of the court and just like everything they can do. Yep. Just all around the best player coming into the NBA this year as, as an actual basketball player. And by actual basketball player for the listeners that I know they're all basketball players. Don't tweet at me with that. I mean, the most complete, not just a scorer, not just a defender who's doing everything well. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess people can say I'm biased, but I think it's Desmond Bain. Um, I think he's the best shooter in the draft. And like, you know, there are some metrics that actually show he's the best shooter in the draft. Um, off the bounce, off screens. He's, he's got that in terms of playmaking. He's a really, really good, like, you know, pseudo primary above secondary creator who can actually run offenses in the half court. Um, defense, he's very strong. You know, he's 6'6", 220. So like, you know, he could switch a little bit. Um, he's not long. 
So, you know, that's, that's an issue. But my argument against that would then be he makes plays with his length. So would you rather have somebody who's got the seven-foot wingspan who doesn't do it or someone with the six-five wingspan who does do it? Um, and, you know, he's another really smart, high IQ, high motor guy. And on top of that, and, you know, John Macri will even attest to this, he's, he's going to be a great locker room guy. Like he's a really, really nice, just humble guy who like knows that he will put in like every second of work necessary. Um, but you know, that's just, that's beyond the core. But yeah, just like in terms of just everything he can do in the court, I don't think he really has a hole in this game aside from not being like an elite downhill attacker. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess aside from him, I, I, I maybe say Isaac Okoro, even though Okoro is not that good of a shooter yet. He's, I mean, he's not a good shooter yet. He has an off the down shot and then defense. I think he's, he's an, he is an elite defender. Um, he's just below Devin Vassell in terms of team defense, but he's a much better on ball defender. I think the Vassell is, um, He's another really good passer in the half court. He's, in my opinion, the best finisher in the draft, pretty much regardless of size. Um, just whether or not that jump shot can come. So, those two. I, uh, we'll forget that you mentioned that you're um, draft advising for Bain, and we'll take that um, as gospel that he's... And Honestly, jokes aside, I believe you. A lot of people seem really high on Bain. And if you can shoot, defend... And you've got a little bit of strength to you and the scalability in some of your rotations and some of the ways that you can facilitate for guys and other ways you can start working angles to get better at being a downhill attacker. Then to me, that seems like a no hit, a no brainer if you can try and pick him up in the mid, mid first yep. round. Now, this is the fun part at the end of the show. Spence, where can everybody find you and follow what you're doing? Yeah, everybody can find me at SK Perlman. Um, on Twitter, and I have, I think, 40-ish scouting reports from this year's draft up on the Stepien. Um, they're all a couple thousand words plus, but there's a summary page if you don't want to read the whole thing. <laughs> um, so I would check those out. And that's it, guys. Spencer, thank you for jumping on, buddy. I'm sure everybody's going to enjoy this. I've learned a bunch. I'm still keeping Kira loose at number one, but Desmond Bain is now my number three behind Pat Williams. Presses Chachua can stay at the bottom of the list. Guys, you can catch <laughs> us again. <laughs> you can catch us again on Monday, guys, as the draft draws closer and I figure out what we're going to talk about that we haven't already spoke about between now and then. Have a good weekend, everybody. Stay safe. Bye.